0: You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Mirable, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Let's recap a little bit uh, from last Sunday where we were at. Jesus says in Matthew 6, to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. So Jesus says to seek first the kingdom of God. And so in chapter six we see three areas and three ways that we begin to seek first the kingdom of God. But when I look at that verse and when I see his command here, I want to live like that. Okay, I mean that, that that's that, that's kind of the essence of this series, that, that you and I would not live for our kingdom, but we would live for his kingdom. And so what you and I are are faced with in our culture and just in our, our 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 world and just our sin is that we look at what other people have material and we get sidetracked from a vertical live for the kingdom and we start looking horizontally at our kingdom and then we begin to look at what they have and we want to have what they have and so then we begin to spend a lot of time on our kingdom. And how can I build my kingdom? And then we look at uh, what what other people have relationally. And so I want a marriage like that. And so uh, this one's not working. So let me go to the next one and see if this one works. And so we get sidetracked in our world and we begin to live for other things. And we begin to live for our kingdom as opposed to God's kingdom. Last week, I said that we have to begin this whole idea and concept of, of live like that uh, with a little detox. Uh, because we are are, are are filled with some toxins today. Physically, we have some toxins. We eat a lot of processed food. We eat a lot of uh, uh, chemicals in our bodies, hence why we are doing partly a biblical fast, uh, and I'll talk about that in a minute. And then also we have a lot of spiritual toxins in our body uh, by the things that we watch, the things that we do, the way that we live. Uh, we've got a lot of these things in our, our spiritual lives that, that demand our time, beg for our time, uh, suck the life out of us and drain us. And yet we still run that race. And so uh, what I'm challenging you to do for the next 21 days is a cultural fast. And so the cultural fast is I'm gonna, I'm gonna put down TV I'm going to put down my cell phone. The average person looks at their cell phone 150 times a day. Uh, I can't find a stat on how long grown adults spend on video games on their, on their devices, but I know it's high, okay? I know it's high. So we're, we're saying put that down. Uh, we're, we're saying put a piece of technology down. We're saying to put down a hobby, something that in your life you spend a lot of time on. So that if you put down the four hours of TV that the average person watches a day, uh, you put down some of these devices so that you would have more time carved out into your day to focus on your relationship with the Lord. You see, when we look at the Bible and we, we see what uh, 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 chapter six tells us to do, we, we come to this idea and we, we, we say, you know what, I, if, 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 I, if I'm going to put the kingdom of God first in my life. I'm going to seek the kingdom of God. Something has to change. Something's got to change because if you're like anyone else in the world, your eight to ten hours that you put in at at the job, you know, the kids that you probably have and their homework and their stuff that they got to do, and then you, you, you factor in all the technology and all the TV and all the fun stuff and the hobby stuff that you do in your life, it's no wonder you're busy. And so it's become a really commonplace thing when someone says, how are you doing? To say, good, just busy. And so, so we wonder, after we look at all these things, we wonder why we stumble through life. We wonder why, you know, when we, when we look at, at our life, we feel exhausted. We wonder why financially we never have enough, because as soon as we get a little bit, we, we extend ourselves a little bit further, and a little bit further, and, and enough is never enough. And even though we wanna please God and we wanna serve Him, we wanna do these things more, but we just can't seem to find it. There are many reasons for this, but I, I think it's a slow process. I think it could begin with maybe embracing this, this culture that we live in and, the, and, and maybe the media that is before us. And so we begin to embrace this lifestyle. Maybe we embrace a, a, a relationship that is unhealthy. Maybe we embrace, you know, sin in our life. Maybe we are embracing a, an addictive habit in our life. But, but these toxins, media, uh, relationships, hectic schedules are in our minds and in our heart. And it's no wonder we stumble and struggle in our spiritual lives. Nobody really wants to take an honest look at their life, but we're going to do that. For the next twenty-one days, and if you're new to Fiddles Church, or this is like a new experience for you, and, and like you're already kind of freaking out because of the music and, and everything, it's only going to get freakier, man. Because we we like we read it, and I'm not I'm not skipping any parts. I'm not going to skip anything. Read read chapter six. I'm not skipping any of that, and so it's just going to get more and more awesome as we look at God's word and we apply it to our life. But it's a slow fade. It's a, it's a slow process. Some of you guys have probably heard about the frog, that if you put it in, in, in a pot of water and you slowly bring the temperature of that water to a boil, the frog will stay in that water until he or she uh, boils to death. Scientists have, have, have done studies on this and they're trying to figure out why. I don't know if we are figure out why because frogs can't talk. But the idea is that it, it's a slow kind of at first, it feels like a bath. It feels good, you know, and it's too late by the time they figure out that they are dying, like they're boiling and, and, and it's too late by then. And so well, for us, our culture is kind of like that, that, that warmed up boiling water. We're sitting in this lifestyle. We're sitting in this sin and we feel like, man, we're, we're, we're sitting in a warm bath, man. This is awesome, but we have no idea the damage that is happening to our bodies, to our physical, to our spiritual, how, how it darkens our soul. You know, because it begins with a, a TV show or a movie that you see and it, and it grosses you out or it offends you or you cringe. And then it's a slow process to the point to where now you laugh at it or to you accept it. Or to, you you know, you let your kids watch it and it's not that big a deal. And And very much, you know, that's a slow process and we can't like put our finger on it sometimes. But eventually we have to come to a point and realize that everything that we consume affects our bodies, affects us spiritually, affects our heart. Everything that you listen to affects your spirit. I mean, so we ask ourselves questions. I mean, we need to ask ourselves questions like, like, you know, why doesn't certain films bother me? Why, why do I watch these shows and laugh at them? So it's like, I'm not a big can't watch this, can't watch this guy. I mean, I don't want to be legalistic about it, but I do want to ask the question, like, like why can we look at things and why, why does the over-sexualization of women, guys, why does that not like bother us instead of draw us? And so like when, when and, and you can't even hardly watch ESPN because of the commercials. And, and so like the remote always has to be like by your side. Have you noticed that? I've, my wife and I have been like, it's, it's funny. It's, it's not funny, but it's like, you know, it's like every time you need the remote, you can't find it. And because it, it's like every, every time it happens, there's like a commercial or something. And you just don't, you can't, you can't let your kids see it. Or you don't want them to see it. Or you don't want yourself to see it. But eventually these things just begin, it becomes like the pot of boiling water and we're sitting in it, you know, and and, and it even comes to music. It's like, we'll listen to music, even if it's like a good beat, despite the lyrics. So mom and dad, like, what are your kids listening to on their iPod? Are we, are we okay with the good beat? And because everybody else is listening to it and -and so-and-so's kid listens and they listen. So I'm just going to listen. And we've never even like Googled the lyrics and what they're talking about which should freak us out, <laughs> you know, well, let alone let a, you know, a teenager or, or even a young child listen to this, but it's a slow process. And so what do we do? We've got to come back to God's word. We've got to understand what, what is life-giving and what is life-draining. And some of us are confused on that. We think that some of these entertainment uh, devices and some of this, uh, you know, material possession is a life-giving and really, it's a life draining. What builds us and what destroys us. Proverbs twenty-five, twenty-six says this, like a muddied spring or a polluted well are the righteous who give way to the wicked. Just look at that. Like a muddied spring or polluted well are the righteous who give way to the wicked. Let me ask you, how muddied is your water today? How, how muddied has your thinking and your consumption been as of late? I think these things all boil down to Matthew 6, like, are we going to seek the kingdom of God first? Is that our priority? Jesus says, look, seek the kingdom first All these things will be added unto you. We try to go to the added unto you part before the seeking God's kingdom. Because I think if I can do this and if I can materially and if I can relationally and socially and entertainment, then I'm going to get all these things. And Jesus says, you don't get all these things unless you seek the kingdom first. And he gives us three ways to seek the kingdom. And the first is fasting So physically, we are putting our bodies um, in a position to where we are saying the kingdom of God is first. And so that's why we're doing the biblical fast. Uh, So for the next 21 days, we're saying, pick a time, pick a day. You decide. Um, when you 're going to do it and how long you 're going to do it but you 're going to take a one day two you know three days five days you, you can go longer if you want to but but like how many days and when are you going you're going to say no to food and all you 're going to do is water or drink you know you 're going to drink water for sure for sure but maybe juice coffee that 's up to you but the point is no food for a biblical fast for a certain period of time praying for the three uh, main areas that we've we 've discussed and, and and then some of you are, are, are thinking about the Daniel fast and so that's going to be for 21 days. If you're going to do the Daniel fast, that's, that that needs to be 21 days for you. Like, like that means that there's no meat, no bread, no sugars. (laughs) It's going to be awesome Um, (laughs) for 21 days. Okay. And so the point is not to go on a diet. If you're like, oh man, this would be a good diet. No, 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 no. The point is to, 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 to show God that I'm putting my body physically second to your kingdom. And I'm doing this to pursue relationship with you. So like the time that I spend on food, now I'm now giving you God in prayer and Bible study. Online, uh, we have an online devotion uh, that you can download. It has all 21 days. It goes through the entire chapter uh, of Matthew 6. Go get that, download that, um, and use that. There are five questions every day to help guide you and give you something to think through and pray through as you, as you go um, uh, each day. Um, so we, we, we've got the Biblical fast. We've got... Uh, the cultural fast, which is to give up a piece of technology. And we're doing that for 21 days. So here, here's what a fast is not. Um, someone might say, well, I'm going to fast from uh, pornography. That is not a fast. That is repentance. Okay. Um, anything in your life that is sin needs to be repented of. Okay. Uh, a fast is when we're going to give up food. We're going we're to cultural fast technology for the purpose of pursuing God. So, so make that clear. Understand that. That begins tomorrow. And the whole point is that we would physically put the kingdom of God first and seek God in prayer and Bible study. So as a church, we're going to be doing that. The other thing that we see in chapter six is, is spiritually putting the kingdom first. And that's where we're going to be today, where he talks about prayer and so spiritually, how do we put the kingdom of God first in our schedules and in our lives? And then finally, we're going to see how we put the kingdom of God first materially. Uh, because where our treasure is, there, are, there, there is where our heart is going to be. And so, so to put the kingdom first, we've got to, we've got to be able to surrender materially uh, to Jesus as well. And so today, as we look at the spiritual side, we're going to begin in verse 5 chapter six, and uh, begin to study what God's word says about prayer. Obviously, uh, this is Jesus speaking to us, and uh, let's jump in. So he says, and when you pray, okay, we just have to stop there. (laughs) So if you're taking notes, like the first thing that we've got to see here is that for our prayer life, we need to make it a normal part of our day. Because Jesus says, and when you pray. Pray, assuming and and showing us that prayer should be a part of of our daily lives. And so here's what we've got to convince each other of. Prayer is worth your time. And it's worth your time because God is able. He is able to do immeasurably more than you can ever imagine in your life. At the time that this was written, it would not have been, hey guys, come on, you need to pray and make it an important part of your day. Because everybody prayed in the first century. It was a matter of who are you praying to? What God and and who's your idol? But for us today, it's like, I mean, honestly, we have to convince each other to make it an important part of our day. Because we don't either A, feel like God is able, or maybe B, we don't have anything to pray about. Because for us, prayer is about physical needs. Who's sick? Nobody's sick. Things are good. I don't have any prayer requests. I don't know anybody in the hospital. So I guess things are good. You know, the only things we typically pray about are I need a job or somebody's in the hospital, somebody's sick. And, it's, and, and, and so today we just got to, we just need to blow that up because prayer is so much deeper. He says, when you pray, in other words, make it an important part of your day. Let's continue. And so when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. In other words, we don't pray to be seen by other people. Same thing with fasting. We're not doing this so that other people can look at us and say, oh, he's so holy. He's so spiritual. You know, it's like, no, we're not not doing that to put on a show. This is our conversation with our creator. And so when we pray, we make it a part of our daily life and and, and it's a personal thing. And then verse six says, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who's in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. So if you're taking notes, the second um, truth that we learn from here is that prayer ought to to be in a private place. Prayer ought to be in a private place. You should initiate that prayer in that setting. So, so Jesus says, you know, it's so, you can pray anywhere. You can pray while you're running, in the shower, in the car, keep your eyes open. Um, you can pray anywhere, obviously. But Jesus says, you know, as a routine, as something that you build into your everyday life, He says it's important for you to have a specific place to go. So, whether that's your office, your kitchen table, your bedroom, you've got a place that limits distractions, that focuses your attention upon Jesus, and you spend that time with Him. Now, I tell everybody this that's trying to develop this as a routine in their life that time and place are essential. Figure out the time of day you're going to do it and the place you're going to do it. Time and place. Time and place. Once you figure out a time and a place, now you're on your way to establishing that as a normal part of your day. Uh, When you were playing sports, uh, by the way, how many of you would say um, at least at some point in your life, maybe not anymore, but at least some point in your life, you were pretty good at a sport. Raise your hand and keep them up. Okay. Now, how many of you guys with your hands up, keep them up, keep them up, would say that you practiced a lot on that sport? Keep them up if that's true. Look, there you go. Everybody's hands stayed up. You can put them down now. The reason is because everyone that that played a sport practiced. Like if you're going to get good at it, you practiced. And the same is true for prayer. If you're going to begin to learn how to do that, then you've got to do it. You remember, I mean, basketball players are in the room. You remember when you first tried to do a layup when you were like four, five, six years old? Um, You remember how ridiculous you looked? And especially the left-handed layup. It's like, you look like, you know, it's like, what is that? Hey, you know what? This is what I tell my kids as they're learning. Look, this is what practice is for. You got you to gotta look a little silly, you know, until you get used to it, until you work out the kinks, until you, until, you, know, you learn how to, to, to shape your body. And to, and to, same, same thing with prayer. Men, you got to pray with your wife. You just got to kneel down. Doesn't have to be long. Do a 20 second prayer, 10 second prayer. Um, after today you'll have at least 20 seconds I, i promise you that you'll have at least 20 seconds and sure it might look a little awkward might feel a little awkward but that's what practice is for you know if prayer in front of people is intimidating to you then if you're in a small group this week at your small group you should volunteer to pray like right now you should say I'm going to volunteer to pray and if somebody else doesn't we're going to say hey can we do a part 2 on that prayer because I need to pray in front of people because I've been intimidated and afraid and bless God I'm going to change. And we're just going to practice and then you're going to say amen and everybody's going to be like man good job way to go and and, and it's going to be like a left-handed layup to you. You're going to be like oh. you know Jesus but it's okay. You know, that's what practice is for. One more illustration about sports. I could go on and on with illustrations about sports. I'd probably do too much. But when you were playing on your team, your coach said to be at the gym or the field at a specific time. Why? Because he was a pretty smart guy or lady. He knew or she knew you needed a place and you needed a time. And if you weren't there, guess what? You better be ready to run or you're off the team because a time and a place is like foundational to building something into your routine. Jesus knew this. He understood this. When you pray, go to your closet, shut the door and pray in secret. Time and a place. Make it a part of your daily routine. Make it a part of who you are. Let's continue. Verse seven. And when you pray, there it is again, assuming that, listen, I mean, seriously, God is able. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. So, so here's what he's saying. Pray from your heart. Don't, don't offer up empty phrases. There's no, here, don't listen to what other people say and just copy that pray from your heart, pray, pray sincerely. He knows what you need. So, so just give him your heart. If you're angry, tell him you're angry. If you, if you need something, begin to share that need. If you want to, you know, prayer is for worship. And so when we worship him in prayer, we're, we're acknowledging who he is. And so we're, we're just sincere and we're honest. And if I don't have anything to say, God, I don't know what to say. Amen. Hey, that's a start. Start somewhere. Um, and so for us, we empty up a lot of um, babbling empty phrases when you think about it. Like for instance, God be with us today. Jesus promises us that he will never leave us, never forsake us. Of course, he's going to be with us. Like you can't go anywhere where he's not. Okay, so be with us today. That's like a gimme. He knows that. My favorite one is God, Lord Jesus above bless this food to the nourishment of our body would you just take this 500 calorie big mac <laughs> 35 grams of fat and in the name of jesus bless it to the nourishment of my body take the special sauce lettuce cheese may it lower my cholesterol in the name of jesus and my blood. i mean what are we thinking y'all you know, I'm, I'm gonna take the venti white mocha with an extra shot and god we thank you and bless it's like okay that is not a smart prayer. It's like, that's an empty phrase, okay? So, so let's not offer up the empty phrases. Be sincere, be genuine. You talk to your heavenly father like you would talk to your best friend. And so we are open, we are honest, and we allow the object of our prayer to be Him. And, and so we limit our distractions by going to a time, uh, setting a time, setting a place. Uh, and, and, and here's the thing about the time and the place, you know when you miss it. So if it's the first thing before you go to work, if you go to work and you're late, you know you missed it. So there's a level of accountability there. You know, if it's in the afternoon and and that's what you do, then it's built into your life and you begin to um, apply it. So it's huge. Verse eight, again, look at it. Your father knows what you need before you ask. Now, listen, the first thing we do when when we pray is a lot of times it's God, thank you for today. Please give me this. Bless me here. Give me that. Give me, give me, give me. Bless me, bless me, bless me. I mean, that's the first thing that we say. Now, Jesus says, I already know what you need. So the point of prayer is not sharing with God your wish list. The point of prayer is worship. So when we see someone praying at church, and and we like to encourage everyone during any time, you know, to come forward here at the altar and just, just kneel and pray, You know, some of us come from churches like, well, if you go to the front and pray, something's going on. Why? Because our minds, we're like messed up on prayer. We think it's just a wish list. Like we only pray when somebody's hurt or something really bad is happening. It's like, that's not what prayer is. It should be a daily part of our routine. It's worship. So when I come forward and I pray, it is me worshiping God for who He is. And it's my opportunity to connect with Him personally, we pray from the heart. He knows what we need before we ask. And this whole idea of bless me and give me and give me and give me, if, if you eliminated that from your prayer life, now anyone in here that actually does pray like, has nothing to say now. It's like, oh, what am I going to say then? Like, well, he helps us, so let's keep going here. Verse 9, he says, pray then like this. He just blew our minds. (laughs) He just said, I know what you need. You don't have to tell me what you need. You know, go have a time, go have a place, do it every day. And so our minds are blown and he's like, okay, okay, I know you're freaking out. This is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So how do we start our prayer? This is not, by the way, this is not a prayer that we recite. And it's not like we're supposed to memorize and say it, you know, every day. And that's, it's a model prayer. Like we learn the model of how he, you know, unfolds this and then we apply it to our prayer life. So, so we, first of all, if you're taking notes, we declare God's greatness. We declare his greatness. Hallowed be your name, which means holy is your name. We revere your name. God, we praise your name. That's how your prayer starts. It starts with God declaring how great he is. Now, wait a minute. I was like, if we start with that, when does the give me, and bless me part come? He's like, no, no, no. This is what prayer is God, you are amazing. You are great. You are the rock of my salvation. You don't move, I move. You are holy. You are righteous. You are good. And if I can begin to declare God's right, uh, uh, righteousness and, and, and his glory, then my problems become a lot smaller. Because like, if, if this is true, what I'm declaring about God, then this problem is, is not as big as I actually thought it was, because he's able to fix that. If, if he's all powerful, he, he, I mean, this is not that big a deal for him. So I'm going to declare his greatness. And, and how long do I spend there? That's up to you. How long do you need? Some ideas, you might go through the entire alphabet, just declaring how great God is using every letter, uh, Sometimes in my uh, quiet times, I'll just go through the book of Psalms. And, and as I, I read a chapter a day, I just write down the names of God or the, or the characteristics, the attributes of God. And, and, and so prayer that day might just be all about praising God for who he is. But, but we start with declaring his righteousness. That's how we pray. Now, that might be five seconds for you. It might be 20, it might be 10 hours. I don't know. There's no limit here. There's no time limit. There's no timetable. So if you're freaking out, guys, about praying in front of people or praying in front of your wife, he, he, notice how short the prayer is. It's like three verses, and then it just ends. It's not like this hour-long holy prayer. Jesus says, don't pray out loud so that other people will hear you. Some of us don't pray out loud because we're afraid other people will hear us. And either way, our attention is on what other people are going to think about us. And that's what he is saying, eliminate Don't worry about what other people are going to think about you. Speak to me. Declare his greatness. Let's continue. Verse 10. He says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So this is the part where you surrender your will. So we declare how great God is, then we surrender our needs. This is where we say, God, I want to put all of my needs, all of my wishes, whatever the answer is, the, an- the answer that you give me, Lord, my answer to you is, is yes. God, not my kingdom, your kingdom. God, not what I want, what you want. So no matter what I'm going through today, no, no matter what I'm facing, the answer, God, is yes, and I am surrendering my will To yours. No, wait, can I just do part one? And then is there a part three? Because I definitely don't want to do the part two because man, that one hurts. That one hurts to go to God and say, God, whatever you want, I'm in. God, when I look at my finances, whatever you want, I'm going to follow you. God, when I look at my kids, when I look at my family, God, whatever you're asking me to do, I don't feel like I can do it. I don't even really know what to do, but I'm going to go. And we begin to surrender his will. Hey, I'm going to pray for somebody who's heal, who, who needs healing, but whatever your will is, God. I want healing, whatever your will is, God. Lord, I need you to fix and bless me, bless me and fix me and then heal and touch and do this and do that. But whatever your will is, God, you are great. You are wise. See, that's the tough part. But I'm telling you right now, this is where life transformation is happens. This is where your life changes. When you build into your routine, your daily, uh, day to day, this is what I do. I kneel before God. I declare his greatness and I surrender my will to him. This is when your life begins to change because God meets us here. God transforms us. And oh, by the way, this is what worship is being a steward of, of our life to God by, by giving him our time, by giving him our attention. This is worship. Prayer is worship. And we surrender our will to his. It's huge. Let's continue. He says, give us this day. Here's the give me part. Okay, so it happens. It just shouldn't be the focus. It doesn't need to be the longest part because he already knows what we need. Give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors, and lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. So part three is this whole idea of acknowledging our dependency upon God. So this is where we acknowledge him for our physical needs. God, we are thanking you for our food and and we're blessing that white mocha. Praise Jesus, four hundred calories. All right. Or we're we're acknowledging him for his greatness, for his forgiveness. You know, God, we are grateful for our salvation. I am thanking Him for that. I am, I am acknowledging him, a, a, them on that. I, I am dependent on Him for His forgiveness and His salvation. I'm dependent upon Him to allow me the grace to forgive others that hurt me. And I'm, I'm, I'm depending on Him for His protection. As He says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, when He says uh, our daily bread here, like the Israelites, they would have immediately thought about the wilderness and Moses and when God was providing them manna every day, the bread to, to fulfill their physical needs and their diet for that day. And so this would have been very real to them. And for you and I, I mean, come on America, there's food everywhere. Sometimes we miss this, but, but listen, everything that you have is a gift from God. The job that you have is a gift from God. The resources that you have the talent that you have, the, the capacity to wake up on time, get to work, and, and do your job is a gift from God. Everything belongs to Him your time, your talents, your resources. The paycheck you get every week is a gift from God. So, physically, we are acknowledging that it comes from Him. And so, we submit ourselves to Him, we acknowledge that, that it comes from Him. Um, when it says, uh, let's read 14 and 15, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. In other words, like like if you wanna put the kingdom of God first, then you're gonna have the ability to forgive others. But listen, if you're not putting the kingdom of God first, then there is no motivation to forgive anyone. You might as well stay bitter. You might as well stay angry at him. You know what? Be ticked off for the rest of your life like, because it doesn't matter unless you want to put the kingdom of God first. Now there's reason. Oh, I forgive because he forgave me. And, and, and I've surrendered my will because it's not what I want to do. I want to be ticked off for the rest of my But I know I've got to surrender that to him and I've got to forgive others that have hurt me. We are acknowledging him for protection because only Jesus can deliver you. Only Jesus can deliver. He says, deliver us. Um, uh, give us today forgive us our debts and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil see some of you are trying to trying to overcome sin on your own some of you are trying to overcome uh problems and issues in your life on your own like something's happened to you and you're just trying to like get over it like that's that's like the that's like the um encouragement that somebody gave you just get over it bro it's like, I can't just get over it. I, I want to know how. I don't know what to do to do that. It sounds easy, but, but it just is impossible. Only Jesus can deliver you. So if you're dealing with sin, how does God deliver you? Well, it starts with prayer, but there are other things. We've got to plug into his word. We've got to seek counsel from godly wisdom to be able to overcome and be delivered from sin, to be delivered from the things that happen to us in this world. If we're not seeking that out on a regular basis, then the temptation to go back into those old ways of thinking, the temptation to to, to drop back into those old habits will creep back up and you'll be sucked back into that world your soul will be dark and you'll be lost. I mean, it's like no, no, no way to overcome that unless Jesus delivers you. There's a very real battle going on. It's a spiritual battle. Ephesians talks about this battle and, and we can't take it lightly. But like the world, the, the, the enemy is fighting for your time, fighting for your attention, fighting for your resources. And God says, put the kingdom of God first. How do we do this? physically putting first, spiritually putting first. We've got to carve out time in our busy day to be with God. And if you don't, your spiritual life will suffer. Like it is worth it, man. It is so worth it to give God five minutes. I mean, can we give God five minutes a day? And here's what we do. We acknowledge his greatness. That's how we start our prayer. We acknowledge our greatness. We surrender our will to him. God, not my will. Your will be done in this situation today in my life today, my family today. And then we close with acknowledging our dependency. And, and, and yeah, we give him our request. Yeah, it's, we, we have not because we ask not. So asking for God, absolutely, it's, it's, it's fine. But it doesn't, shouldn't start that way. And it shouldn't end that way because for us, it's more than that. He already knows what you need. And so trust him on that. Spend time here. Spend time uh, allowing your thoughts to, to, to wrestle with your will being surrendered to Him and acknowledging His greatness and, 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 and acknowledging your dependency upon Him. Uh, online, we have some articles uh, that will be posted this week about prayer. I encourage you to go there. I encourage you to, to find someone who can hold you accountable to a prayer life and so maybe that's your spouse, maybe it's a friend that can, somebody in your small group that's gonna encourage you and say, let's do this together. Let's go for it for 21 days. Let's build this into our life. You've got a devotion. You've got a fast. So you, don't, you don't have TV. You don't have you know, cell phone or whatever you've decided and, and you're not gonna eat food for a specific time. So, so man, can you imagine what God is gonna do in this church if the people in this room take this seriously and do this? I believe God is gonna transform us.